Hey everybody, this is Sean Early, and today I'm going to be talking about a new book called The End of the World is Just the Beginning, uh, written by geopolitical strategist Peter Zihan. We've all sort of been hearing the rumblings lately uh, about uh, the upcoming global food shortages, inflation, financial recession, economic collapse. Are we in a recession? Are we in a stagflation? What are all these Asians, Eshans? Anyway, there seems to be some sort of storm clouds on the horizon regarding the global economy. And, you know, what does this all mean, basically? This book kind of goes into detail on a lot of these topics. It offers sort of a controversial perspective on other things, a lot of very big controversial perspectives. But anyway, it, it digs into a lot of that and gives a very interesting perspective. So um, with that said, if you want to hear more about the book, I'll see you in the episode. Today's podcast is brought to you by the new Robot Spaceship Studios, offering professional podcast production, design, consulting, and promotional services to help you start your very own podcast. For more information, go to robotspaceship.com slash studios. Hey everybody, this is Sean Early and welcome to the Sean Early Podcast. Today I want to do a review of a book that I've been reading recently called The End of the World is Just the Beginning by Peter Zihan. Peter Zihan is a geopolitical strategist who has been getting a lot of attention lately in the media. He has somewhat of a controversial perspective on where um, the global economy is going in the near future and the distant future. And I think it's really important to bring this book up and um, discuss it with you and maybe just share some of the ideas that he's talking about. I always, as a, you know, as somebody who works as a strategist myself, I always really like books that give me sort of a detailed um, perspective of where we could possibly be going in the future. And obviously nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows exactly where things are going, but you know, if you, if you sort of cover a lot of different bases, a lot of different opinions and perspectives um, on both sides of the political spectrum, both sides of um, the business, um, economy, technology. Um, it all kind of starts to mash together a little bit and you can kind of start to see sort of patterns and kind of relate them to where current events are going and, and you know, kind of set a benchmark for, for what you think is coming up next. And so, you know, this, the title of this book is obviously a little bit fatalistic, but, um, it, it, it really kind of brings home some topics that I didn't quite think about actually. And so it kind of gives me a different perspective. Um, again, I'm not positive of all of his opinions. I, I don't know, but the, the, he's giving, you know, lots of data into great detail and there's so much to chew on that covers so many different areas of politics and the, and the global economy that um, there's, there's such a piece of work here to chew on for a long time. And so I think um, it's really important to kind of point it out to you. And I, I definitely recommend you guys reading it um, because there's, there's a, a, a lot to dig into. Um, I hadn't been familiar with Peter Zion. I think I've heard the name, but I never read his books before. Um, he has quite a few that, um, you know, that came out a while ago that were very controversial. Um, and a lot of people kind of knocked him for um, saying that there may be a possible war in Ukraine, um, which came true. Um, there's a lot of things that he predicted in his previous books that apparently did 
happen. So he does seem to have a very um, knowledgeable perspective on things. And so I think it's very relevant to, to point out some of the things he's talking about, whether they come true or not. But I think it's very important for everybody to kind of have this perspective on their radar as something that could possibly happen. Um, so I, I'm building up the, the suspense here, but um, some of the topics he's talking about, I'm not going to talk forever about it. I want you to read the book and I'm still deep into it. I'm only halfway through because there's a lot to chew on, but I kind of want to bring out some of the key topic, talking points here um, to kind of spark your interest. I think a couple of the main ones um, is one, he brings out the fact that um, the industrial revolution and the subsequent migration of people throughout the last hundred years um, who went from sort of working on the farms to moving towards larger cities where the, where the work has become um, has caused sort of an irreversible decline in the working age population. So um, the more people move into the cities, the less they work on the farms, you know, people who work on farms tend to have more children because the children tend to grow up and help out on the farm. So um, it's a benefit to have a larger family if you work in rural areas, especially doing farm work. As you move into the city, people have a lot less children because children become sort of more of a luxury in the city. They're not very necessary. They become more expensive. And so, you know, over the course of the last hundred years, the, the population of, of many countries, I'd say most countries around the world, has started to gravitate toward the city and have less children. And so um, while the 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 world population is large and continue, continues to be grow. Um, the the demographic of of people are a lot older, and I think we've heard this before in some countries. Germany, where I live, it's a big topic. Obviously, um, they had a lot of problems with that, and they're still dealing with that now. Which I guess I can talk about in another podcast. But um, for the most part, um, the majority of Germany's population is aging, so there's a lot less um, working aged people living in Germany. And so um, there's all these people are getting older, they're all retiring, they're all going to start relying on retirement accounts and saved money and government um, pensions and all these things that happen that start to draw money away from the, you know, the economy. And the people who are supposed to fill these coffers are the working class and they're supposed to pay their taxes so that the tax money goes to pay for the older retirement funds and their, their needs. And unfortunately, if the population becomes older, there are less people that work in that population range to, to work and pay and consume and create economy for the older um, class. And so, um, this is happening all around the world, especially China, for example. China is, is massive amounts of city, very small amounts of people actually working in the farms, and this becomes a much bigger global problem. And what he's saying is this is a global problem now. It's not just dedicated, it's not just um, only certain countries. And so this global problem has basically caused a massive um, working class population decline that will not change basically as people get older and die they're having less children who are younger who are going to um, you know procreate and create get older and create older working class you know 20s to 30s to 40s um, age people um, China he says basically could be cut in half from its population by 2050 um, 2050 to 2070 he says China's population could be cut in half um, Another thing he talks about is that um, after World War II, um, the U.S. Navy basically became kind of the world's police in global shipping. 
So Bretton Woods happened. Um, America sort of became the de facto police for all the shipping that happened around the world. It created globalization. It created a global economy. Shipping, you know, this on-demand Amazon lifestyle that we have now um, is basically, um, it's going to change in the future because as America becomes more sort of isolationist, it gets less involved in other countries. As other countries start to grow out their navy, especially like China, um, it becomes more difficult to be, become a global police. And as America's interest on doing that changes, then the ability for the shipping in the world to be secure um, and be um, something that you can insure with insurance companies is going to decrease as well, which means it's going to create much more destabilization of the global shipping economy, which is basically the economy. And so um, these two factors, one, there's going to be less working class people working, buying, consuming creating products and services, creating businesses, businesses that are going to ship globally. Shipping globally becomes much more difficult, much more risky. Um, it basically starts to shrink the global economy. Um, that sort of combined with the fact that we have um, all these economic problems with the, uh, the fiat currency system that basically is the de facto currency system around the world, every single country basically is using modern monetary theory to basically print money. There's no gold standard anymore. It's just people creating money out of thin air, um, causing inflation, causing deflation, stagflation, all these buzzwords, all these flation buzzwords that are coming, um, combined with uh, a war in Europe, combined with um, food instability, shipping instability, um, all these factors are sort of coming into play all at once, and it's going to become a lot more apparent um, probably by fall, moving into the next five, 10 years, there's going to be a massive sort of shrinking of the global economy. Things are going to become much more expensive. People are going to start terming, referring to more local options, um, and that's going to affect the economy. Um, also, the the energy crisis, the sustainability issues that everybody's trying to bring apart are sort of conflicting with each other. So everybody's trying to go less fossil fuel, go more electric, go more, um, more natural resources for creating energy. Um, there isn't an infrastructure available yet to support that. And at the same time, people are backing away from the fossil fuel usage, the fossil fuel industry. They're regulating it away, basically. And so this is creating a problem and combined with uh, a war in Europe and a problem with um, Russia being a large provider of natural gas and oil for the world. Um, this becomes a much bigger problem as well that is going to shrink the economy. People are going to start turning more local in their, their, their life. And, um, this is going to affect a lot of places. There's going to be a lot of famine. There's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of hardship coming in the world because of all this. And it's not really going to work itself out so good for quite a few countries. Um, what he basically states here is that there's only a handful of countries, like maybe five that are actually going to kind of weather through this without a major economic collapse. So um, America, for example, he says, is basically going to weather through it because they have sort of their own ability to, uh, they have the largest military, they have the ability to create their own food, the ability to create their own energy. Um, they have lots of space in terms of, um, in relation to the population. So there's a lot more 
um, ability for the population to sort of expand out if needed. And basically the United States is going to be in a good position to sort of weather this out. It's also going to be, uh, continue to be the, the um, go-to currency for the world. So the dollar is still going to be in position to be the go-to currency for the world. Um, even though there are lots of things um, maybe fighting against it in terms of cryptocurrency and um, digital currency, which I've talked about in some, some other podcasts. Anyway, he, he says basically America is going to be one of those countries that's going to sort of weather through that. He says China is not going to make it. He says Russia is not going to make it. He says basically there's a handful. He said um, Australia, Japan, France, and a couple Scandinavian countries, Mexico, and the U.S., he says those, and Japan, actually, did I say Japan? I don't remember. But anyway, he says these sort of handful of countries are going to sort of make it through this economic crisis. Um, but basically the rest of the world is going to have severe problems and that's going to affect strategically how we do business. It's going to affect strategically um, how we live, our lifestyle, um, where, we, where we live, the types of um, products and services that we create. Um, it's going to affect... Um, you know, the, the digital level is going to affect the global digital, um, you know, every, we think globally in terms of digital, but is global digital going to shrink to local digital? Um, it's hard to say, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm sort of ranting here. There's, there's so much to chew on in this book. Um, a lot of things that I didn't consider, a lot of things I'm still not quite clear if I feel that's the way things are going or not. But um, again, there's so many facts, so many details in this book, so much to chew on that I have to think that there's something here um, worth paying attention to. And if that's really truly where things are going in the near and distant future, I think it's going to take a very severe restructuring of our lives and our businesses to sort of adapt to that. And we have to have to sort of get in a um, prepared sort of um I'm trying to think of the word, but um, you really sort of have to batten down the hatches in terms of where you are investing your time and energy and resources and your business and your life in the future. Um, think about how to strategically position yourself to sort of weather out this storm that is coming. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to die. There's there's a lot of discussion about um, just this fall where, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of people saying we're actually in a recession right now. There's a lot of people saying the recession is coming this fall. Um, globally, once things start getting cold and fuel starts to, to become more expensive, as food starts to become more expensive, people sort of batten down the hatches for the winter. I think we're going to see a lot of this being much more clarified and kind of see where that's going to go. Um, there's also so much instability with the war in Ukraine um, and just the economy in general. There's going to be a lot of changes that are going to be happening very quickly here Um and I, I think there's definitely some sort of storm clouds on the horizon here in terms of the economy. So um, I'm reading a lot of these kind of books. I'm trying not to be fatalistic. I'm trying to think positively. I'm trying to think of how str strategically positioned to benefit from this knowledge. I think that's where I want to make my point here is, is these types of books, you know, they sound fatalistic. This title is very fatalistic. It got my attention, obviously. Um and some people just write these books that are just doom and gloom because they know you're going to buy them. But I think this book in terms of um, the the subject matter and the content and the just the, the volume of data that he goes over that touches so many different aspects of the world, there's enough there to pick it apart and say, okay, this is definitely, there are pieces here that are useful um, that we need to consider. 
So with that said, sort of a long rant. Again, I'm still working through the book. I haven't gone through all of it. I'm going to be definitely reading a lot more of his books. I've been listening to a lot of his podcasts with a lot of people lately. A lot of pretty high profile people are starting to pay attention to what he's saying and a lot of politicians especially. So I think there's definitely something here to listen to and, and take into consideration. So once again, this was The End of the World is Just the Beginning by Peter Zihan, uh, map, Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. Um, definitely big changes coming in the future, in the near and distant future. Um, let's all stay aware of it and plan accordingly and vote accordingly, obviously. Um, so with that said, um, I'll leave the, the link to the book in the liner notes of this podcast. Click through. Um, as always, um, I, I appreciate it if you subscribe and follow to the podcast on all the podcast platforms. Also, give me a, give me a five-star review and leave a comment if you're so inclined. Uh, that really helps me bump up in the ratings. Also, be sure to like and follow me. I'm all the, on all the social media platforms and I'm very active, so I will respond if you send me a message. I'm very curious to hear your opinions on this book and the topics that he talked about. I didn't even cover all of them. There's so much to chew on, but those are basically the basics. Those are pretty big basics and pretty bold um, opinions moving forward. So again, I really want to hear your opinions on what you think. So with that said, this is Sean Early and this is Sean Early Podcast and I will talk to you in the next episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to click the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. This podcast has been brought to you by the Robot Spaceship Podcast Network. For more info and other great podcast series, go to robotspaceship.com and subscribe.